Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, everybody. Today is December 8th, 2015, and this is The Mixed Experience. It's a weekly podcast by a mixed chick sharing mixed thoughts about a mixed-up world, and I'm your host and resident mixed chick, Heidi DeRoe. Today, we have two really great guests to talk about in The Mixed Experience, uh, but of course, first, I have some announcements. Yes, I always have the announcements. One, this is the last live show of 2015. Can you believe it? We've already ended 2015, but I'll be back again in January, um, the second week of January, with brand new episodes. I have some blockbuster, headlining, superstar, best-selling, award-winning writers on the docket coming up in January, February, and March. So you can start to see some of the names that will be visiting me on the podcast already, and I'll be actually announcing more in the coming weeks. I'm so excited. Yay! This is kind of one of the great things about the job. I get to talk to the writers I admire and the writers I want to promote and the artists and all of this, like these guys today. I'm very excited to talk to them. Okay, number two. I know I say this every week. This is actually a total labor of love, the podcast, because I don't make any money off of this, but I get to talk to great people. But I have another labor of love and it's called the Mixed Remixed Festival. It's a 501c3 nonprofit arts organization, and it's all volunteer run. Nobody gets paid anything to do it. In fact, nobody gets paid. <laughs> and in fact, I go out of pocket to make it happen every year. But I'm hoping I won't have to this year, and that's where you come in. We are now an official 501c3 nonprofit, and we can take your donations. That would be tax deductible to the full extent of the law. We put out a call today. I was just so heartened. We sent out a newsletter this afternoon asking for people to do year-end giving, and they did. We raised just shy of $100 this afternoon, and I know that sounds like not much to you guys, but our budget actually is quite small, so that $100 goes a long way for us because we beg, borrow, and barter for everything we can. If you have even just $5, it would mean a lot to show your support for this festival because it won't continue without you. It will happen in 2016, but if we can't fund it, then we can't continue it. We just can't do that. We're already giving all of our time and our love and our energy. So go to www.mixedremix.org. Your donation is greatly appreciated and is used to the very best ability that we can. So with that said, let's go back to the question at hand, which is the mixed experience and how are we mixing it up? Well, today I am super excited because I have two very talented artists from the Mixed Race Mixtape. It's a really fantastic show that they've put together, and I don't even think I'm doing justice by saying show. Um, It's an experience right? (laughs) The the perfect word for it. It's an experience. 
So today I'm very excited to have the artistic director, Jarrell Watkins, and the writer-performer, Andrew Fig Figueroa, on the line. Let me just tell you a little bit about them. Jarrell Watkins is an interdisciplinary artist of martial arts, poetry, dance, and theater. Most of his work is contextualized through an historical framework that serves to bridge the gaps between written history and collective memory. Watkins' education and experience and background includes, but is not limited to, I love that, he's out of the box. He has a BA from Hampshire College, a certified conflict resolution trainer, and he's an educator at North Star Self-Directed Learning for Teens. What's up? That's so cool. All right, and so then let me tell you about Andrew. Andrew Fig Figueroa, he's a writer and performer, and he's better known as Fig. He's an up-and-coming hip-hop artist, theater maker, and arts educator from Southern California. He has a Mexican father and a British mother, and he is the first U.S.-born member of the household and the younger of two. He is a recent graduate of Hampshire College, where he earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in Latino Studies and Performance through theater and hip-hop. Only at Hampshire could you get a degree like that. That's so awesome. (laughs) His art strives to challenge how society engages with traditional theater spaces and to open dialogue around how we can reimagine the stage to include historically marginalized communities through a critical hip-hop lens. His work aims to exist as an agent of educational and social change directed at youth, specifically youth of color, by tapping into the influence hip-hop has on U.S. culture and young people. I am like super excited to be able to invite to the show today, Jarrell and Fig. Hi, guys. How's it going? <laughs> hey. All right. Now, I didn't prep you for this, and I think that Fig should go first. Because, All right. So I, I think you're the right person to ask first. Traditional first question. Ready? Yeah, go for it. What are you? What am I? <laughs> um, well, I think you kind of read a little bit of it, but I'm a badass hip-hop artist, uh, mover, theater maker, uh, art, arts educator, and an ambiguous Mexican man with a beautiful white mama and equally as handsome Mexican father. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to the mom and pops. I have a Yeah, I got to do it, you know. Excellent. I love it. Jarrell, I'm going to throw it to you now. What are you? Yes, what am I? Um, (laughs) Tough question. Don't really have a concise answer. Uh, Educator, uh, martial artist, Historian, poet, Southern boy, Southern black boy, uh, raised my mama, my father, and everything like that. Um, but yeah, all those things, and then some, and then some, yeah. And then yeah, some. definitely then some, yeah. He <laughs> forgot, he forgot, amazing director, but you know it's all good. I could fill oh, in blanks. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean we need each other to reflect back, like what people. <laughs> you know, need to see as well. Well, so that's always where I start the show, just because it's that question that the ethnically ambiguous or the ambiguously brown always get. And I I like to turn the question on its head. Um, But so, but let me go back even farther with you, Fig. I first learned about your project from a, a crowdfunding campaign that you did, but clearly your project had been in the works for a long time. Can you tell me a little bit about the the origin for the idea for the mixed race mixtape was and where you are now with the project? Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, so I've been working on the mixed race mixtape for, I mean, uh, theoretically 23 years coming up on 24 uh, in a few weeks. 
but uh, really where it started was... Um, Wait, when's your birthday? Is it Christmas, <laughs> Christmas baby? De- December 23rd, actually. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you don't get any yeah. presents. <laughs> <laughs> they, all, like, they all jip me. My aunts <laughs> and tias are like, oh, yeah, this is for both. <laughs> no, hmm. but, uh, yeah, the project has been uh, in works for a while. I think really the first time I was really um, writing about the mixed experience was through an independent project I did with the professor, um, in my third year in Hampshire, so I guess that was like 2012, spring 2012, uh, where I just wrote a series of raps and spoken word pieces and kind of like rants uh, just about my own experience, you know, understanding identity, uh, you know, conflict with choosing, if I had to choose, basically anything, you know, that was going on in my life um, is very autobiographical and very nonlinear. It was just kind of this piece about that and a piece about my mother and a piece about, you know, lovers and um, encounters I had earlier in my life and um, put it together and then did a stage reading of it and realized that it was the first draft of what I wanted my senior thesis to be or the Hampshire, my division three. Um, and that's really kind of where it started. Well, so I'm interested in a, in another point before that. When did you yeah. realize you were allowed to talk about it? Because mm. you know, I'm of a different generation. I'm I'm exactly double your age. I just realized, which is horrifying. <laughs> um, but in any way, <laughs> so in my generation, it wasn't. It was something you knew about someone, but you would never talk about it with each other, and you definitely wouldn't document it. You wouldn't write it down because that was somehow a betrayal to, I, I guess, silence, maybe. What yeah. was, like, how did you know you were allowed to say something? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a wild question. How did I know I was allowed to? You know, it's interesting, actually, because this idea of silence and, you know, people knowing but not really kind of having it on a surface level and really, like, in conversation was kind of how I felt when I was home. I grew up in Orange County, California, in Irvine. Um, and, uh, and, you know, like, you know, you grew up in a community with people who you know and you grew up with and family and not family and people to go to your church or go to your school or, you know, um, you know play soccer with or whatever. It's like, you know, they see who picks me up. You know, they, they see, like, they, they come to my house. You know, they know where my mom's from. They know where my dad's from. Um, so... Um, it wasn't really anything that was talked about. And I, I never questioned my identity before. I was always aware of where I was from and, you know, these two sides and these different cultural happenings I'd be brought to and, you know, having English breakfast tea with my mom of the day and going to, like, you know, a uh, party and doing salsa dancing at night with my father and his, you know, close friends and family. Um, but it wasn't really until I hit Hampshire where my identity was put into question and my uh, breaking of silence was more in response of these um, – you know, uh, challenges on my identity, you know. I bump into people and they'd be like, oh, you know, I did, then some white guy would start speaking Spanish, like, say, he's more Mexican than you. And they're just like, what? <laughs> and like, you know, people are just like, you know, this random white dude. And, and, it, and you know, it came from a lot of sides. It's been like, oh, you're not really Mexican or like, you know, how do you, you know, like, or just even the general question of what you said, like, what are you? Like, where are you from? And where are you really from? Um, and so... Sorry, I'm going to let that siren pass by. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm in New York City today, and this <laughs> happens all the time, and there's just no way to block it out. It, apparently, <laughs> there are at least four fire trucks going by us right now. I guess they're quite yeah. alarmed that we're breaking the silence here. 
<laughs> yeah, right, breaking the silence, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so it was just a response to the questions. And, and you know, like, I felt like I had a good idea of what I was and, and where I stood, you know, and, and this was now time to investigate that. And um, it was the only thing I could write about, you know. I, I just find inspiration in this. You know, I could write, and I was just getting into hip-hop more specifically, um, like more just thoroughly, I guess, writing every day. And so um, I was just inspired from all these questions and challenges to, you know, respond in any way. Well, so, Jarrell, tell me, like, when did you guys connect? Because I know I asked you what are you, and I already made all sorts of assumptions about both of you, especially once you said, Jarrell, that you were from the South. What was it about his art or his story that you saw in in what you wanted to create and and help bring out in Fig? Well, wow, that's a that's a deep question. Uh, <laughs> the the story of like I guess uh, the mixtape mixtape is one. Uh, at first, like when I was because I came initially not as the role of, as like a director or a theater artist, but more so as a friend who happened to do spoken word poetry. So. Um, Fig tells a story about how when he when he was like writing the first draft, I was actually reading over some of the the like the poems and the the rap pieces, and he recorded me actually uh, saying those those lines and everything. And so I was really looking at the text at first. It's like okay, I'm an editor. I can like look at see what's working, what's not working. But as I became more familiar with the script, and actually when Fig actually asked me to come on, then I started looking at the text more critically and everything. And then a lot of the experiences that Fig talked about. Even though I don't consider myself of, I guess, of a mixed racial background, I I'll, I do have those similar experiences. Um, for one, uh, like you can look at my my picture and everything. Um, as 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 they call me down south, they say I'm high yellow, and I don't know if you're familiar with that that term. They say oh, high yeah. yellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So high yellow, red. I got vanilla drop, peanut, anything that's like vanilla uh, drop. I haven't heard that one. Oh, yeah. oh, come, come down to Richmond, North Carolina. Go, go to Richmond, Virginia, North Carolina, Henderson. Yeah, vanilla drop. So, and and I've been in situations in which you know, uh, and this is even before I went to Hampshire College. I've been in situations in which people will say, "Oh, hey, Gerald, what do you mix with?" Like, not even question, like saying, like, or like, I don't get the what are you? Where you from? Like, oh, so is your mom white or is your father white? Like that, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, because people see the red hair, they see the freckles and everything. And also, uh, like, my mannerisms, how I talk or maybe how I act, and people think, oh, okay, and then you can't be black. And so the, I, I never wasn't authentically uh, black, or my blackness was something that was always questioned. And so uh, when I saw, like, Stig trying to, like, talk about these same questions and actually so trying to find that, like, speak to this realness and that this realness that is, like, fabricated through, like, I don't know, but the media, these stereotypes, is something that uh, is just false. And, like, that narrative was powerful for me. And I was like, okay, I definitely want to be a part of this and see where I can find myself in this script, this script and this work and see what we can do together. So You, you just, like, blew my mind with this. The, the realness is being fabricated, right? Like, yes. the, the realness totally. is a yes. fabrication. I, I love that idea. You know, and, and the reason I really wanted to hear this story is that like one of the things I'm struggling with is one, is there a multiracial movement? And right now I will just, I'll be controversial and say, I don't really know that there is a multiracial movement because there's not a cohesion or a vision or even a collaboration or connectedness 
among the various people who seem to be in the spotlight of, of mixedness. Mm. So there's that. And then the other is, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say that, uh, I mean, the idea of a multiracial movement in, in general, I feel like, to me, uh, puts in question a lot, and, and one of which is, um, you know, what, what are some of the goals, thinking about, are they trying to, like, declare their identity as mixed race, just like, you know, period, end of, you know, end of conversation, like, I'm yes, mixed exactly. race? Or, that's problematic yeah. for me. I, yeah, I'm, I, I don't I'm like that either. On to that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, definitely not. I mean, um, I mean, going back to what Javel said and thinking about what it means, you know, and, and connecting it back to this idea of a movement or, or lack of, um, what it even means to be mixed. And uh, like Javel said, like, he doesn't consider himself from a mixed background, but, you know, the mixed experience itself is important to kind of uh, tear apart. So, for example, like, the way that I want people to view mixed, mixedness uh, through my show or in general um, maybe has less to do with your racial background but more your experience. If you aren't fitting into these boxes yes, yes, that have exactly. been fabricated by these mainstream outlets, news, media, art, beauty, you know, history, whatever. So let's say you're a, you know, 100% authentic, and I put that in quotations, Mexican man who uh, grew up, uh, you know, was third-generation American and, um, you know, comes from, like, uh, let's say, upper-class uh, background and, um, um, you know, but, but, but they've been culturally Mexican their whole life. They've been going back all the time. They, like, you know, feel like there's a, uh, uh, you know, a large level of, you know, cultural aspects in their growing up. Um, but they can consider themselves mixed, maybe even in comparison to, their, like, you know, uh, to their abuelos or to their parents or, let's say, uh, you know, a young a Chinese man who's the first one born in the family or, or, you know, even a, um, a queer woman and the rest of the family street, you know, there's these ideas that, um, well, let me, let me take a step back. Basically, thinking about anyone who doesn't fit the status quo for what their identity should be like. And that yeah. can have to do with class, has to do with culture, language, um, where you grew up, community, and um, experience, really. Um, I, I think so, we yeah. all three are very much on the same page with that because – I think what is most powerful, and I think if there could be a multiracial movement and still not knowing exactly what that means, it's only a movement if what we're saying and what we're doing is making sure that someone who feels like they're a, a just something, like Jarrell, you, you're supposed to feel like you're a just African-American, I guess, or even a just African-American from the South, except you have multitudes and you have an experience that is so varied and eclectic and is not necessarily represented by what has been authenticated as African-American experience. So when we get those people, and and now I'm actually talking about white people (laughs) to recognize... Just name it, you know? (laughs) Right, like the complicated nature of their own whiteness and their own connection to racial and cultural difference. I feel like that's when we really start to change things. It's, it's going to be different when I can go down the street and the white woman who like bumps me at the, you know, upscale mm. hardware store realizes that she hasn't just bumped some little brown girl in yoga pants. 
she's like bumped a a girl who looks like her daughter, you know, because the woman looked like my mom. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, I feel like this, I'm sorry, I'm playing out my own trauma with you guys right here. But (laughs) this happened yesterday and it was profoundly unsettling because I was thinking I was there as just me. You know, I was wearing my Yale Law School sweatshirt even, thinking (laughs) I was all fancy. And I, I happened to bump this woman by accident, and she seemed mortally offended and did a tisk and a tisk again, um, as if she was signaling, like, what is wrong with you, young brown person? Now, I recognize I may be taking some of that on myself, but yet and still what she didn't see was that she looked like my mom to me. And I was like, oh, I wanted to see my mom again. I miss my mom. You know what I mean? That's, that's a, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Anyway, yeah. well, so that was my own personal therapy right there. It is my show. Um, no, 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 we're all, we're all ears. You know, I think your example, just like we were talking about a second ago, is all of our experience is so complicated and beautiful in that. So it's hard to find kind of, you know, within this idea of a movement or, or a group community, you know, we have to understand that everyone's experience is different, but there are things that we can highlight from each other that be like, whoa, that resonates with me. Like, you know, that wasn't a woman who bumped into me, but it was a woman who came up to my stand at the kiosk at the mall I work at and started, you know, freaking out about me and, and you know, uh, you know, just getting like, you know, overly upset because I, you know, wasn't catering to whatever she wanted. You know, we can replace whoever with whatever and, you know, we can find a community in that solidarity. Yeah, and and also I feel like, there's such a great freedom, um, and and by that I mean a, a freedom not it, – it's a freedom from fear, right? It's yeah. like this – of not having to feel like you're protecting yourself, of actually feeling like you're part of this interweb of all people. But, you know, it's hard. So I'm going to ask a, a couple of questions, and you can bow out because I, I feel like they're really complicated answers, and I really didn't weigh in on some of these quote-unquote controversies because it's so complicated. But I keep asking about this Tay Diggs thing, the Tay Diggs controversy. Are you guys familiar with that? Wait, does that have to do with his book? Yeah, the the dude with his book. (laughs) He's supposed to be the famous actor with his book. But, yeah, so Tay Diggs is an African-American actor of some notoriety, and he's written a children's book called Mixed Me. And it's oh, so I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't say dude with his book. I, I said it had to do with his book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the dude with his book. No, I know Tay Diggs. I, I love Tay Diggs. Okay. Well, I've, now a lot of people are not fans of Tay Diggs because uh, he had some, I think, inartful comments about his book. You know, they weren't wrong. It was just, you know, he, he's a celebrity. He's not like a professional spokesperson for mixed people. And yeah. he had said that he was afraid that his son wouldn't feel like he could identify as biracial. I've totally mangled it, but it's something like that. And people really freaked out about this. And the the racial police came out and they were very angry <laughs> with him about this. Like, I don't know how you think about what he had to say, but is there... Is there a way to engage in those moments that's more useful? I mean, do we just have to call you guys and get the mixed race mixtape to our 
you know, organization or event so that we can talk about it. But definitely, you know, in short of that, like, how do you approach those kinds of moments? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because so many people are so, uh, yeah, um, it's a sensitive topic. And I think everyone's responses are totally validated, uh, are, are valid, you know. Um, yeah. I, I shouldn't have asked. You, no, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's funny you bring this up because just yesterday when I was leaving work and I work right next to a Barnes & Noble, I was going up the stairs to you know, grab some water. Um, and I saw the, there's a signing on the 12th uh, in here in L.A. Tay Diggs is coming to do a book signing at this Barnes & Noble in the Grove. Let's go meet him. And, and for, uh, for his book. And I saw it and I was confused because I, I don't know anything about his children. I thought maybe he was talking about himself and you know, I have assumed that he's not been, he's not mixed, um, but maybe, you know, I don't know. Uh, but I saw that, and I, and I think just in general, sorry, going back to your regular question, uh, it, it, it sucks because I think it has to do a lot more with the work you're putting in than, than the titles you give yourself. You know, we're all trying to figure it out. And like you said, he's not a professional. Um, and, and it's for his kid as well, which he hasn't experienced that. So he also was just trying to, like, figure things out for his children, um, which is completely different than it was for him. Uh, yes, and, yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think... Yeah, no, I I'm know. sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, it has to do a lot more with the type of activism you're doing and uh, what your true politics are. I mean, you know, if he's saying that thing and then having trouble, you know, talking about Black Lives Matter or being a, uh, in solidarity with that movement, then, like, that's where it becomes, like, you know, like, I don't know if I can support you. Um, right. I agree. And, you know, I, and it's, you know, people want this idea of mixedness or biracial. It kind of takes away from, you know, being able to claim, you know, uh, 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 blackness or being able to claim, like, Mexican. And, and a lot of that, you know, is maybe, like, internalized racism. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, it runs deep. You're, yeah, it's a complicated question. And, yeah, Jarrell probably has well, to Well, I was going to ask Jarrell, like, you know, what your perspective was on, and maybe generally, how does the African-American community get invited to this conversation in a different way? So that when people talk about mixedness, what they don't, so that they don't hear um, privilege, light-skinned privilege, um, you know, the inherent white privilege of mixedness, the historical privilege of being mixed race and maybe having a choice to pass or not pass. I, I know I'm an- asking you a big question. <laughs> you yeah, don't have, yeah, that, have to have an answer that is a pretty, to it. <laughs> That's a pretty big question. I can't actually speak for how the entire African-American community is invited to this question, but from, like, my own experience and from, like, also maybe from my family, too, uh, like, when it comes to, like, talking about, like, in, like, African-American community, like, my home, like, you know, my people and everything like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't really, we don't really talk about uh, biracial or, like, mixed-race mixed, mixed race experience. We talk about more so about colorism, which you were saying, like, oh, this light skin or you're, oh, you're dark skin. And it's always about the skin color. So much is actually uh, put on that. Uh, to this to this day, I mean, anytime, and it's funny that you mentioned racial police because, like, I've been in every single space I've been into that I've always have had an encounter. Well, Fig and I have had a encounter the racial police uh, and everything, right? And when 
when there's any time there's an issue that comes up, right, uh, I mean, let's say that we have, for, for some reason, we talked about Tay Diggs and Mick Me was actually available, and that was the issue of the racial police, right? It's always about why the question is, okay, what's wrong with, like, for this person of biracial ascent this to, like, just appealing to their blackness or appealing to this one side, like, uh, to, to decide that, I mean, if they, and also, also like, the, the notion that I'm also speaking to, too, is, is always, it's always seen as, like, this uh, binary between black and white, too, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah. something that's pretty much, like, uh, dominates the, the mixed, mixed experience when you hear a lot of conversations about that. And also, uh, like, and this is speaking on fixed app too, but some of the scholarship that he was reading when he was doing research for his Division three and for, you know, for our piece, it talked about more so as, like, the binary between black and white opposed and didn't really bring in, like, the experiences of other individuals who consider themselves biracial or have a mixed race experience. So I feel like I'm digressing a bit from, from the question. But uh, the entry point that I see most, uh, like, African-Americans and my, not only myself, but, like, my family and everything, it always comes to skin color, always comes to colorism, and then the associations and the privileges that come with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard. So, you know, my father was African-American, my mother is a white Danish immigrant, and my African-American grandmother, who lived to be 96, she just passed away a couple of years ago, all of her grandchildren and great-grandchildren, save for one, is mixed. And it it was so interesting to try to see how she dealt with that because she is an African-American woman who grew up in the segregated South in deep Texas, like Mm. like a a super (laughs) small town outside of Dallas. And she really, you know, had to she had to change her whole mind. Like, you know, she became, what am I trying to say? I'm making this all up on the fly right now, you guys, but she became like this woman who came from this very certain place to a woman who ultimately was able to claim her space in a global uh, space. Uh, You know, she had mixed kids globally, you know, not just Denmark, but all over the world, and suddenly it it changed the way she saw herself too. You know, it wasn't it didn't negate where she was from or who she was. It expanded it. So, how are how are people experiencing the mixed race mixtape? Is that do they? I'm assuming because I haven't actually seen it, and I must. But I hope they feel more expansive when they walk out. Tell me. How do they feel after they see mixed race mixtape? I mean, so far. To you? Go ahead, Jarrell. How do people feel when they when they see? Well, I mean, a lot of people feel liberated. That's that's the immediate yes. um a reaction that I have to get from a lot of people feel liberated. Uh, like I've seen like numerous of people come to walk to mostly Fig, but myself and the rest of the cast, like the production on team, and say, "I needed this. This is something that I've been waiting to say." Like you took the words from, like, from my, my life story, and you put them on the page, you put them on the stage. So liberation is, like, something that I see across the, every time we do the performance. Um, I love that. No, that's the word. That's the watchword. I'll take that. Okay, so we, we actually have run out of time, you guys. I, I oh, want to, oh. like, talk to you forever. I can't even understand how we've, we've gotten to this point. But tell me, um, one, about the contest that you have it going on, and then also where we how do we get to you? How can we see this show and experience liberation? Yeah, definitely. Um, so 
the contest is a cover competition. We recently dropped a uh, five-song EP from the show. Uh, four of those songs are from the actual original script and performance, and one of them is an extra track for you all to check out. Um, and the contest is a Rewrite Yourself cover competition, and the idea is to have people write their own creative covers, um, either you know using the original lyrics or choreographing a dance piece. We had someone submit a remix of one of our instrumentals, um, you know, using one of our instrumentals and writing an original piece that stays within theme and, uh, and sending it in to us, um, either at our, our, our Twitter um, and uh, Facebook email. And, you know, we put you on blast and have one check it out. And uh, we're going to choose one uh, that we like the most to come and perform with us, either open up for us at our next show or, uh, you know, do their cover alongside us um, during the performance. And kind of the idea of Rewrite Yourself is just giving the opportunity to people that I've had, that our team has had with this show, and to, um, you know, be able to, you know, come out again and find what is authentic to you, you know, explain your experience. Um, what the, is the uh, deadline? Uh, the deadline um, is kind of ambiguous. <laughs> and um, but I'm going to go ahead and say right now, uh, the deadline is the 31st. Okay, so December 31st-ish. December 31st-ish. People, mixed deadlines, um, but I'm sure if you reach out to them, you'll yeah. be able to figure something out. I have their website information up. Is there another performance uh, scheduled right now that's open to the public that people could see? Yeah, we have a uh, tour at the end of February in the East Coast where we will be at William Patterson University on, um, as well as Western Connecticut University, and that starts February 24th. The, the website I have on my website, um, I don't, can you tell me what it is just out loud so people can write it down if they're just listening? Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's mixedracemixtape.com. That, and that's so easy. I, I want to talk to you guys some more. I feel like we should sit down over dinner and continue this conversation soon. So either, Jarrell, you've got to get to the West Coast or <laughs> you've got to get to the East Coast because I'm on both coasts at different oh, points. Yeah. So we'll have to figure that out because I, yeah, I would love to follow up podcast. Great. Yeah. Um, you guys, I am excited about your work. I love that you are half my age and, like, you know, 100 times ahead of me in terms of what you're doing because it pro that, that's a good promising future. And and you guys, offline, can we talk about what's happening with Mixed Remix? It's yeah. a really great yeah. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that'd be great. So thank you guys so much for joining me today. Definitely have to get you back. You guys, go check these people out. You can hear the passion and the energy and... I'm really excited about the work they're doing, so go go check them out. Thank you so much for joining me tonight, you guys. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Heidi. Okay, bye-bye. Later. Bye. Okay, wow. I get excited when there's that kind of energy and synergy between artists and the work that they're doing is exciting and it's about liberation, right? Like what else would you do with your art but do liberation? I'm so excited for these guys. So um, make sure you check them out on their website. 
Uh, you can also check them out on Twitter. They're at, at TweetMRMT. Yeah, that's on my website too. So you can go to themixedexperience.com and uh, get the information about them as well. Yes, thank you guys so much for a most excellent 2015. This is the last live podcast of the year. I'll be back in 2016. Um, There may be some recorded episodes, just some bonus episodes, little things in between here and uh, January, just because I'll miss you. And I may have new thoughts once I go and like take some time off and get to think about stuff again and not be caught up in the rat race. This is uh, so much fun to do, and I'd love to hear from you. Send me emails at Heidi at HeidiWDuro.com or tweet me at HeidiDuroux. And if you have a chance, please put up a review at iTunes. That would be so great. Um, love to get a little more attention for the show and to have other people find it who need it, you know? All right, guys. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining me. That's it for 2015, guys. That's a wrap. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.